Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 192. Over the past number of episodes, we've been reading different stories of the different kings near the end of Israel's history before they were exiled into Babylon. We also read now from Zephaniah today, last episode, Habakkuk. And in these prophets, they are speaking God's words of reminder to the people that God will bring judgment for the way that they are acting, the way that they are living, the way they have rejected God, the way they have figured they can go on on their own and do their own thing, their own way. And God warns them over and over again that he will bring judgment for those who reject him. But he also offers salvation to those who turn and repent, those who turn and trust in God. And so in our passages today in Zephaniah, Psalm 74, and 2 Corinthians 8, we see this mixture of judgment and salvation, God's warning and his grace. And in seeing these together, we understand the true nature of the justice of God and also the love and the grace of God. So let's begin today in Zephaniah. We'll read the entire book, chapters 1, 2, and 3. Zephaniah chapter 1. This is the Lord's message that came to Zephaniah, son of Cushi, son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah, son of Hezekiah, during the time of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will destroy everything from the face of the earth, says the Lord. I will destroy people and animals. I will destroy the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea. The idolatrous images of these creatures will be destroyed along with evil people. I will remove humanity from the face of the earth, says the Lord. I will attack Judah and all who live in Jerusalem. I will remove from this place every trace of Baal worship as well as the very memory of the pagan priests. I will remove those who worship the stars in the sky from their rooftops, those who swear allegiance to the Lord while taking oaths in the name of their king, and those who turn their backs on the Lord and do not want the Lord's help or guidance. Be silent before the sovereign Lord, for the Lord's day of judgment is almost here. The Lord has prepared a sacrificial meal. He has ritually purified his guests. On the day of the Lord's sacrificial meal, I will punish the princes and the king's sons and all who wear foreign styles of clothing. On that day I will punish all who leap over the threshold, who fill the household of their master with wealth taken by violence and deceit. On that day, says the Lord, a loud cry will go up from the fish gate, wailing from the city's newer district and a loud crash from the hills. Wail, you who live in the market district, for all the merchants will disappear, and those who count money will be removed. At that time I will search through Jerusalem with lamps. I will punish the people who are entrenched in their sin, those who think to themselves, The Lord neither rewards nor punishes. Their wealth will be stolen and their houses ruined. They will not live in houses they have built, nor will they drink the wine from the vineyards they have planted. The Lord's great day of judgment is almost here. It is approaching very rapidly. There will be a bitter sound on the Lord's day of judgment at the time warriors will cry out in battle. The day will be a day of God's anger, a day of distress and hardship, a day of devastation and ruin, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and dark skies, a day of trumpet blasts and and battle cries. 
Judgment will fall on the fortified cities and the high corner towers. I will bring distress on the people, and they will stumble like blind men, for they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood will be poured out like dirt. Their flesh will be scattered like manure. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's angry judgment. The whole earth will be consumed by his fiery wrath. Indeed, he will bring terrifying destruction on all who live on the earth. Bunch yourselves together like straw, you undesirable nation. Before God's decree becomes a reality and the day of opportunity disappears like wind-blown chaff, before the Lord's raging anger overtakes you, before the day of the Lord's angry judgment overtakes you. Seek the Lord's favor, all you humble people of the land who have obeyed his commands. Strive to do what is right. Strive to be humble. Maybe you will be protected on the day of the Lord's angry judgment. Indeed, Gaza will be deserted and Ashkelon will become a heap of ruins. Invaders will drive away the people of Ashdod by noon and Ekron will be overthrown. Beware, you who live by the sea, the people who came from Crete. The Lord's message is against you, Canaan, the land of the Philistines. I will destroy everyone who lives there. The seacoast will be used as, a past, as pasture lands by the shepherds and as pens for the flocks. Those who are left from the kingdom of Judah will take possession of it. By the sea they will graze, and the houses of Ashkelon they will lie down in the evening. For the Lord their God will intervene for them and restore their prosperity. I have heard Moab's taunts and the Ammonites' insults. They taunt my people and verbally harass those who live in Judah. Therefore, as surely as I live, says the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, be certain that Moab will become like Sodom and the Ammonites like Gomorrah. They'll be overrun by weeds, filled with salt pits, and permanently desolate. Those of my people who are left will plunder their belongings. Those who are left in Judah will take possession of their land. This is how they will be repaid for their arrogance, for they taunted and verbally harassed the people of the Lord of heaven's armies. The Lord will terrify them, for he will weaken all the gods of the earth. All the distant nations will worship the Lord in their own lands. You Ethiopians will also die by the sword. The Lord will attack the north and destroy Assyria. He will make Nineveh a heap of ruins. It will be as barren as the desert. Flocks and herds will lie down in the middle of it, as well as every kind of wild animal. Owls will sleep on the tops of its support pillars. They will not hoot through the windows. Rubble will cover the thresholds. Even the cedar work will be exposed to the elements. This is how the once proud city will end up, the city that was so secure. She thought to herself, I'm unique. No one can compare to me. What a heap of ruins she has become, a place where wild animals live. Everyone who passes by her taunts her and shakes his fist. Beware to the filthy stained city, the city filled with oppressors. She is disobedient. She has refused correction. She does not trust the Lord. She has not sought the advice of her God. Her princes are as fierce as roaring lions. Her rulers are as hungry as wolves in the desert, who completely devour their prey by morning. Her prophets are proud. They are deceitful men. Her priests have defiled what is holy. They have broken God's laws. The just Lord resides within her. He commits no unjust acts. Every morning he reveals his justice. At dawn he appears without fail. Yet the unjust know no shame. I destroyed nations. Their walled cities are in ruins. I turned their streets into ruins. No one passes through them. Their cities are desolate. No one lives there. I thought, certainly you will respect me. Now you will accept correction. If she had done so, her home would not be destroyed by all the punishments I have threatened. But they eagerly sinned in everything they did. Therefore, you must wait patiently for me, says the Lord. 
for the day when I attack and take plunder. I have decided to gather nations together and assemble kingdoms so I can pour out my fury on them, all my raging anger, for the whole earth will be consumed by my fierce anger. Know for sure that I will then enable the nations to give me acceptable praise. All of them will invoke the Lord's name when they pray and will worship him in unison. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, those who pray to me, my dispersed people, will bring me tribute. In that day, you will not be ashamed of all your rebellious in that day you will not be ashamed of all your rebelliousness against me, for then I will remove from your midst those who proudly boast, and you will never again be arrogant on my holy hill. I will leave in your midst a humble and meek group of people, and they will find safety in the Lord's presence. The Israelites who remain will not act deceitfully. They will not lie, and a deceitful tongue will not be found in their mouths. Indeed, they will graze peacefully like the sheep and lie down. No one will terrify them. Shout for joy. Daughter Zion, shout out, Israel. Be happy and boast with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has removed the judgment against you. He has turned back your enemy. Israel's king, the Lord, is in your midst. You no longer need to fear disaster. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, Don't be afraid, Zion. Your hands must not be paralyzed from panic. The Lord your God is in your midst. He is a warrior who can deliver. He takes great delight in you. He renews you by his love. He shouts for joy over you. As for those who grieve because they cannot attend the festivals, I took them away from you. They became tribute and were a source of shame to you. Look, at that time I will deal with those who mistreated you. I will rescue the lame sheep and gather together the scattered sheep. I will take away their humiliation and make the whole earth admire and respect them. At that time I will lead you. At the same time, I gather you together. Be sure of this. I will make all the nations of the earth respect and admire you when you see me restore you, says the Lord. As we listen to Zephaniah, it's quite a, a message of judgment. Almost the entire thing is judgment after judgment after judgment. That God will bring his judgment on all the peoples around Jerusalem and all the peoples around Judah and Israel, but also the people themselves because they reject God and do not turn back to him. But the note of hope is that God says those who turn to him, those who trust in him, those who are willing to repent, to turn from their evil and turn towards God, he will show mercy to such a degree that it will be like God sings over them his love and his grace. A beautiful picture of his amazing salvation. And now we turn to Psalm 74, where the psalmist Asaph speaks again of calling out to God to bring justice on those who do evil, so that God's justice and judgment will be done for those who cause such harm to others. Psalm 74, verse 1, a well-written song by Asaph. Why, O God, have you permanently rejected us? Why does your anger burn against the sheep of your pasture? Remember your people whom you acquired in ancient times, whom you rescued so they could be your very own nation, as well as Mount Zion where you dwell. Hurry to the permanent ruins and to all the damage the enemy has done to the temple. Your enemies roar in the middle of your sanctuary. They set up their battle flags. They invade like lumberjacks swinging their axes in a thick forest. And now they are tearing down all its engravings with axes and crowbars. They set your sanctuary on fire. They desecrate your dwelling place by knocking it to the ground. They say to themselves, we will oppress all of them. They will burn down all the places in the land where people worship God. 
We do not see any signs of God's presence. There are no longer any prophets, and we have no one to tell us how long this will last. How long, O God, will the adversaries hurl insults? Will the enemy blaspheme your name forever? Why do you remain inactive? Intervene and destroy them. But God has been my king from ancient times, performing acts of deliverance on the earth. You destroyed the sea by your strength. You shattered the heads of the sea monster in the water. You crushed the heads of Leviathan. You fed him to the people who live along the coast. You broke open the spring and stream. You dried up perpetually flowing rivers. You established the cycle of day and night. You put the moon and the sun in place. You set up the boundaries of the earth. You created the cycle of summer and winter. Remember how the enemy hurls insults, O Lord, and how foolish a nation blasphemes your name. Do not hand the life of your dove over to a wild animal. Do not continue to disregard the lives of your oppressed people. Remember your covenant promises, for the dark regions of the earth are full of places where violence rules. Do not let the afflicted be turned back in shame. Let the oppressed and poor praise your name. Rise up, O God, defend your honor. Remember how fools insult you all day long. Do not disregard what your enemies say of the unceasing shouts of those who defy you. Here's the psalm just ends abruptly by calling out again, both at the beginning and the middle and at the end again, for God to do something about the people who disregard him, people who have done evil, people who have done wickedness, people who have really caused all kinds of harm to the people who God has said he will protect. And this call for God to do justice, to bring judgment, is a call spoken by people who have experienced great injustice and great harm. And it reminds us that really in one sense, there is a time where we want God to do justice, and it's usually when we've been harmed. And yet at the same time, we call to God for mercy when we're the ones who have done the injustice and evil, and we recognize our need for forgiveness and grace. And in the remembrance of that goodness and grace of God, it changes people, and it ought to change people. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 8, where he speaks about the fact that the reason people become generous when they weren't before, the reason people are willing to give to those they don't even know, isn't because they've somehow become good in and of themselves, but because God's grace has changed them so completely, so dramatically, that they have become people who want to be gracious and giving in the way that God has been gracious and giving to them. And so let's read from 2 Corinthians 8 and see what God's grace can do in the lives of people. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. Now we make known to you, brothers and sisters, the grace of God given to the churches of Macedonia, that during a severe ordeal of suffering, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in the wealth of their generosity. For I testify, they gave according to their means and beyond their means. They did so voluntarily, begging us with great earnestness for the blessing and fellowship of helping the saints. And they did this not just as we had hoped, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Thus we urge Titus that, just as he had previously begun his work, so also he should complete this act of kindness for you. But as for you, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all eagerness and in all love from us that is in you, make sure that you excel in this act of kindness too. I am not saying this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love by comparison with the eagerness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although he was rich, he became poor for your sakes, so that you, by his poverty, could become rich. So here is my opinion on this matter. 
It is to your advantage, since you made a good start last year, both in your giving and your desire to give, to finish what you started so that just as you wanted to do it eagerly, you can also complete it in accordance to your means. For if the eagerness is present, the gift itself is acceptable according to whatever one has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not say this so there would be relief for others and suffering for you, but as a matter of equality. At the present time, your abundance will meet their need, so that one day their abundance may also meet your need, and thus there may be equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. But thanks be to God, who put in the heart of Titus the same devotion I have for you, because he not only accepted our request, but since he was very eager, he is coming to you of his own accord. And we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his work in spreading the gospel. In addition, this brother has also been chosen by the churches as our traveling companion, as we administer this generous gift to the glory of the Lord himself, and to show our readiness to help. We did this as a precaution so that no one should blame us in regard to this generous gift we are administering. For we are concerned about what is right, not only before the Lord, but also before men. And we are sending them with our brother, whom we have tested many times and found eager in many matters, but who now is much more eager than ever because of the great confidence he has in you. If there is any question about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. If there is any question about our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, a glory to Christ. Therefore, show them openly before the churches the proof of your love and of our pride in you. And so one of the more famous parts of this chapter is Paul's words there where he says, the reason to give, the reason to be generous to those in need is not because you feel guilty, not because you're trying to prove yourself to somebody else, but because you see Jesus's willingness to become poor, that although he was rich, he became poor for your sake, so that you would be, by his poverty, someone who becomes rich. And this richness and poorness here is speaking of the fact that God shows grace and mercy rather than the judgment we deserve. And experiencing that grace leads us to be generous with what God has given us so that we might be imitating Jesus, the one who gave everything that we might be forgiven. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You are-